Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, On the Wings of a Snow White Dove. It will be focused on a study of Leviticus chapter 12. Before going any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful love. We thank you for that wonderful snow white dove, the Holy Spirit which you sent to live in your church today. May it, may it speak to us this morning in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Leviticus chapter 12. Chapter 12 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean seven days, according to the days of the separation for her infirmity shall she be unclean. And in the eighth day the flesh of his foreskins shall be circumcised. And she shall then continue in the blood of her purifying three and thirty days. She shall touch no hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. But if she bear a maid child, then she shall be unclean two weeks, as in her separation. And she shall continue in the blood of her purifying threescore and six days. And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled, for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, unto the priest, who shall offer it before the Lord, and make an atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. This is the law for her that hath borne a male or a female. And if she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtles, or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering, and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, On the Wings of a Snow White Dove. This was preached in 1965 on November the 28th in the evening. We'll begin at paragraph 70 up to paragraph 240. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. In the old times when they made a covenant, they would take and write the, the agreement up and kill an animal, stand in between it, tear the covenant in two, one person took one part like the Chinese laundry used to do. The Chinaman here, he couldn't write English, so he wrote on there and tore a piece of paper and handed you a part. And you, you remember the Chinese laundries when they used to do that? And you, their, your two ends had to compare to get your clothes. See, you couldn't fool him because he had the other end of it. You might recopy your name, but you can't retell that paper. See, So he had, it had to be the same piece of paper. So that's the way they'd done it in the Oriental days, long or long gold, in the Eastern days. They'd kill an animal, stand in between it, tear the piece of goat skin apart, one tuck one, and when the covenant was confirmed, they brought the pieces together and they had the dovetail just exactly. Now, what God is showing him here is this. On these sacrifices is speaking of Christ, that how God took Jesus to the Calvary and tore him apart and received the body up into heaven 
and sent the Spirit down upon us. That the same Spirit was on Him has to be on you to dovetail with the body to be the bride at the end time. Won't be a denomination now. It'll be the Word, what He was. God, like that word has to come to word, like cell in a human being. You, when your body's being built, it isn't one cell of a human next to a dog and next to a pig. Oh, no. No, it's all human cell. That's where the body of Christ is all the word of God. Not just part of it, some tradition added to it. No, it's all the body of Christ. Now, we find here that he used both a turtle dove and a young pigeon because they are the self-same family. Now you always, so notice, I just referred to a couple of these scriptures, Leviticus 12 and the sixth verse. We find here the, the order of a woman being purified. If the woman had a baby, she had to wait, if it was a boy, she had to wait for 33 days before she could enter the congregation with the doves for purification. If she had a girl, she had to wait 96 days before she could enter the congregation. Now we find here the sixth verse, and when the days of her purification are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest. See, she can't come in yet. Because her days isn't finished yet, but she can give this to the, the priest at the door for her offering. See, either a turtle dove or a young pigeon. They're both the same family. Now, now it was used for atonements. And in the atonement for sin, one dove or leprosy, which is a type of sin, you brought two doves. One's head was taken off, turned upside down, and bled on the other one. And then... The other dove was set free. And when the dove flew, he bathed the ground with his blood of his mate. And the blood cried out to God, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Can't you see the dying mate, Jesus Christ, was killed and sprinkled upon us that we could go free, crying out, Holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. What beautiful types. Wish I had some voice. Now, Type the great Holy Spirit as we just read in Revelation 3.16 used of God for signs this dove was. Noah was given a sign as the brother just sang about it. God was displeased and there was nothing going to stay his wrath. For he said the day you eat thereof that day you die. Noah had found grace with God and had built an ark according to the constructions, the instructions rather that he had given him. And he had been floated up. I can imagine is what happened in them days when they said, this old man up on the hill, an old fanatic, building an ark, saying it's going to rain, it never has rained. But it, Noah said it's going to rain anyhow. Now I know the day that he went in, I think, can't think of what day it was, I'll be the 17th day of May. Noah entered into the ark and God shut the door. And the clouds begin to come, the rains begin to fall, 
the sewers begin to fill up, the fountains of the deep broke up, the springs all belched up their water, finally people got into the houses, climbed up, the old ark sat right there just the same, after a while when enough began to get around her, she began to rise up higher and higher, the people knocked at the doors and screamed, but it didn't know no good, Noah could not open the door, God closed it, God's the only one can open it, so is it at our ark, Jesus Christ. God opened the door for us on Calvary. He'll close it just as sure as he opened it. And it floated. Oh, no, maybe a mile deep over the top of the earth when this earth was tumbling out from the way from the, the, uh, its regular orbit. And around and around it went in chunks and trees and above the mountains and so forth, pitching for 40 days and nights. And when the winds begin to cease, God's wrath is horrible. His love is pure and divine. And His wrath is just as, div- as divine as His love is. Because He must pass judgment because He is a judge. He's a lawgiver. And law without penalty is not law. So there must be a penalty to law. You transgress God's laws, that's when you pay the penalty. Now we notice that after Noah floating up there, no doubt, seasick from all that roaring and popping, the wrath of God, mashing and crushing and screams and so forth, then it began to quiet down. Nothing happened. Days passed. Nothing happened. Perhaps the food supply for the animals and so forth running low. Nothing happened. So he thought, wonder, I can't see out. The ark was so constructed, when you were once in it, there was only one window in it, and it was right in the top. You couldn't look sideways. You couldn't look no way but straight up. That's the way the ark Jesus Christ is. You can't look at the next fellow. You can't look at nothing but Christ when you're in the ark because there's only one door, and he is that door we talked about this morning. You have to keep looking up. For he that will put his hand to the plow and even turn to look back is not worthy of the plowing. Now, as in this ark, and he could see light, perhaps sunlight, but he wondered where he was. The ark was still afloating. You could hear the waves against the sides. But he knew that there had been many days. Surely the water was receding by that time. So he went and got an untrusted bird. Trenches. And he tried him. And he sent him out. He was a crow. And that crow never did return. Because he found pleasure out there. Outside the ark of God. He flew from one old dead body to another. Eating the carcasses and the carrion that was floating on the water. And he was perfectly satisfied. So after several days... He tried again. For he know he didn't want to step out in the wrath of God. So he turned a dove loose. And this dove was of a different nature than the, it was not a vulture. Neither is it a scavenger. It can only eat the clean, pure things. And it was so satisfied because it couldn't find nothing else to put the soles of its feet on. It returned back to the ark. Noah said, well, the flood's still on. 
Then he waited several other days. And he sent out again, like his prayer, Oh God, has your wrath been appeased? Is, is, is your wrath over, Lord? Is it all done? And he said, now if I send her out this time, she may stay out there if the floods are down. She may stay. But he sent her out by prayer. And then when she went out there, directed by God, she picked off a holly leaf off of a tree and flew back and pecked on the window again. God used a dove for a sign. She come back saying that the flood is over, and then God opened the door, and they went out. That's Genesis 8.8. Also used in Matthew 3.16, again, when God's wrath was on the earth. And there was no way, the darkest of night, midnight, the churches, they got things in such a twist till there was no way to get out of it. And there was... False teachers, all kinds of things coming up, all kinds of professions coming up. But God used the dove again. It pleased him. His son, Jesus, had pleased him so well that he identified him. Now, they couldn't believe that this baby that was born down there in that stable in a manger of hay before his father and mother, supposedly to be, was married. They couldn't imagine God using anything like that. So he had to be identified to the world. That day down on the river, when he walked down to prove himself, God's masterpiece that I talked about this morning, when he was obedient to walk into the water. Now, if you notice there, there's a great lesson. John was the greatest man on earth at the time. Jesus said there never was a man born of a woman as great as he to that time. And he was a prophet. You believe that? Now remember, if the word of God will come to anything in the land, it'll be a prophet. That's always God's way. Do you believe that Jesus was the word? Manifested in flesh. So there's only one way he can come to be introduced. Not by the priest. He didn't go up and say, Caiaphasus, will you introduce me? If he did, he made the same mistake that David did in our lesson the other day. If he went up to the church and said, will you introduce me? Just notice, when he was born even. When he was born, he was born in the shadow of the church. And they was probably ringing the bells and everything. But it was shepherds that recognized him. And Magi. See? And here he is now, on the, ready for his ministry. And if he is the Word, according to God's great plan, the Word can only, the Lord God does nothing until he first reveals it to his servants, the prophets. That's always his pattern. It has to be. The seals were open when anything else, any major event taking place in the earth, God reveals it to his prophets. And John was a prophet, for he was prophesying he had come. 
Then down off the side of the hill one day, when a discussion was going on, a bunch of priests standing around, and they said, you mean to tell me that you call yourself a prophet and stand over there in that mud, not in a church because you wouldn't have it. Stand over that mud and tell me that the hour is coming when the great Jehovah who ordained these sacrifices, when the great Jehovah who built this temple, who came into it as a pillar of fire, the day will come when that daily sacrifice will be taken away. He said, there will come a man. And he's among you now, somewhere out there. And he will take away the sin. The priest was disgusted with him. John looked up. Now what is he? The prophet. And here is the word. There comes a word coming right straight to the prophet. Right to the water. John said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There he is. That's him. Jesus never spoke a word. Walked right out into the water and I can see there standing in that water. Think of a drama. Two of the greatest that ever struck the earth. God, the Word, and His prophet. Notice, the Word come to the prophet in this dispensation of grace in the water. I thought you'd catch it. <laughs> in the water. The first revelation of the Word was in the water. I see where the bride started the evening light message. In the water. The Word, true Word, not mixed up with creeds, but come to the prophet in the water. By the water. Notice, could you imagine the eyes of the Word and the eyes of the prophet meeting in the water? Oh, that's too much for me. There stood the prophet. There stood the Word. Looking in each other's eyes. And the prophet said, I have need to be baptized of thee. Why comest thou unto me? And the Word said, it has to be true. Now let me give a drama here. John, you're a prophet. You know the Word. See? You recognize me. You know who I am. I have need to be baptized of thee, John said. Jesus said, suffer that to be so. That's exactly right. You do have need to be baptized of me. But remember, John, being a prophet, it is behooving to us, or becoming to us, as a word and a prophet, that we fulfill every word. For John, here's the revelation now. John, you know who I am. I am the sacrifice. And according to the word of God, the sacrifice had to be washed before it was presented. For sacrifice. Is that right? The word, the lamb was washed and then presented for sacrifice. And I am that lamb. And I must be washed before I could be presented to the world for a sacrifice. Suffer it to be so, John, for thus it is becoming to us as the Word and the prophet together. Well, it can't be a mistake. Now, every one of these things, I see, 
If it wasn't that very setup, John would have been like any of the rest of us. So he said, yeah, I know who you are, Lord. Well, he said, wait a minute, I'm the Word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Eve left off one. But you've got to take every word. And I am that sacrifice, and I must be washed before I'm presented. But what you said, John, is true. John, being a prophet, knowing the word had to be fulfilled, he suffered that and baptized him. And when he was raised up out of the water, there come the message from heaven on the wings of a dove. This is my beloved son. He sent the redemption message of grace on the wings of a dove. Come flying down out of the heavens. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward man. The sacrifice is ready right there. Been raised, fed. His ministry was ready. A word that would redeem the whole world. It's over. The dove is used in the Bible as a symbol of peace. And also it's used by nations as a symbol of peace. We have nations. Our nation is represented by an eagle. And there's other birds of other nations. Rome has an eagle. Germany has an eagle. Many of them great birds of the sky. But in all of them, the dove symbolizes peace. In all nations. It's a universal thing. Just like Brother Green said one night, Brother Perry Green said, the symbol of surrender is raise your hands. Any nation, raise up your hands, it's surrender. He said, when you sing, raise up your hands, you surrender all. And the dove is a symbol of peace in every nation. Why is it done? Because of its gentleness and because of its innocence. That's the reason it symbols peace. Another thing about the dove, it is a home-loving bird. It loves to stay home. And another thing it is, it's always loyal to its mate. The dove, male and female, never leave one another. That female finds her mate in mating season. See, that's complementary to God's great creation. That's the reason he made Eve a byproduct, see. If she'd been made like other females, when the time come for her mating time, she'd found her mate. But she could any time, see. That's, right. that's what it is. I just, we want to go into that because of God on marriage and divorce and so forth. And how it, but yet, she's honorable and brought that virtue, and you know how I preach on to the night. All right, notice, she's got a great responsibility. But the dove is always loyal to his mate. Always. Never leaves her. And may I stop here just for a minute to say this. A true bride, female dove, is loyal to her mate too. It won't inject any dogmas, any denominational doctrines, anything of the world. It'll say loyal to its mate, the Word. Always loyal. And by this home-loving conduct, by the conduct of its home-loving, 
It has been successfully used for a carrier pigeon. Because it loves home, you turn it loose anywhere, it'll always go back home. It'll go back home. We'd like to stress on that a little while. You Christians understand what I mean? It always finds its way back home. So therefore, it's been used for carrier pigeons. It's used in time of war, used to be. They still use them. Carrier pigeons to carry a message. So you see, then that makes the dove, both by God and man, a messenger. A dove is a messenger. It was a messenger to Noah. To tell Noah that there's peace again. It was used by God to vindicate that this was his son, the sacrifice to bring peace upon the earth and goodwill to man. It was used as a messenger. Right here I have a little story in my mind. I read one time out of a book. Now, I don't want to say this is sure. It may be in the decline of the First World War. I'm not positive of that now. If you miss seeing it, then I'm wrong. I either read the book's been many years ago. But it was certainly a, a really a, a dramatic thing that happened. The American soldiers was pinned down by German machine gun fire. And they were in kind of a pit. You soldiers, I guess, understand how they were on a reconnaissance somewhere and they was pinned down. And they had just a little bit of ammunition left and the Germans was moving in. Great units moving in everywhere. And they knowed that unless they get some reinforcement, some help, that they would soon all die. They had to. The Germans coming right down off the mountains, looking right down their neck, going right into them like that. And one of them happened to remember that he had a little mascot, a little pigeon. So he knew that this pigeon, if it could get out of there, would carry the message to the main headquarters, to where they'd been stationed. And so they sat down and wrote on a note. We are pinned down in a certain position, at a certain area. We're out of emanation. A few hours, we'll have to surrender or either we'll be massacred. And they pinned this or tied it on the, the foot of this little dove and turned him loose. Now, he's a home-loving bird. So he, what does he do? He takes back home for his feet, find his mate. She was worried about him. He'd have to come back home. And as he went up, the Germans seen what had happened. So the thing they'd done, they started shooting at the dove. And one of them hit him with the 30 caliber machine gun or bullet. It broke his leg. Another tore a big hunk out of his back. His chest was bruised all the way across. One of his wings is crippled. The end shot off of it. And he flew sideways. But he kept climbing. Finally, he made it. Crippled. Wounded. Broken. Bruised. But he fell in the camp with the message. 
That was a great dove. But oh, brother, Isaiah 53 tells us of one. Came down from home. And all that was good. And he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. Sickness, superstition, and devils had us pinned down. There was no way out. The church had gone wrong. They went off on denominational things and the Pharisees, Sadducees, and washing of pots and pans, and the Word of God become of no effect. But this little dove came down. And there's only one thing could take place. There had to be a Redeemer. But being wounded, broken, beaten, torn. But he knows his way back home. So from Calvary's cross, where they bruised him, mashed him, tore him, like a bunch of wolves upon him. He made his flight from Calvary and then landed in heaven's doors saying, it's finished! It's finished! They're free! Sickness can be healed now. Sinners can be saved. The captive can be set free. Though he was bruised and wounded, that great battle there when even everything against him, even the poet cried out, mid-rendering rocks and darkening skies, my Savior bowed his head and died. But the opening veil revealed the way to heaven's joy and endless day. I've been a neurotic all my life. As a little boy, there was something struck me. That'd scare me. About every seven years, it would happen to me. Brother Jack remembers I first started. Come off the field for a year. Something has happened. I remember the day that Juanita Hemphill, I think her name's Juanita Kelly now. She married Brother Kelly after the death of her husband. Anna Jean. I've got their pictures and things. There were such... Her, them two girls and Sister Moore had a little trio they sang that song, and I'll never forget, Looking Beyond the Sunset. Brother Jack, you remember, I guess, coming up from Florida. What fine little girls. And I remember that morning, a little a Pentecostal group from up here in northern part of the country, Michigan, somewhere. Those girls stood out there with Brother Hooper. I've seen him here the other night. He may not be here now. Brother Ed Hooper. Are you here, Brother Ed? I don't think he was. He sat here the other night. Uh, not many of you know him. He and I and Brother Hooley, we was leaving, and those girls standing in their corner singing that, gave us each one a yellow rose that they took out of their hair. That's where that maniac had been healed down there. Great things that took place. Coming up the road, just as happy as I could be, all of a sudden it struck me. A year later, before I entered the field again. Just kill me. Since a little boy, I always said I didn't know what a vision was. A little boy always said, if, I, if I'd only fall in one of those trances and see that I'd get well. That time, I always wanted to go to Mayo's to find out what was wrong. The doctor's there. 
My stomach is sour. Oh, my brother Jack's helped me around the house. I walk right around the house and just a hot, gre- greasy water like flying out of my mouth and walk to the pulpit and pray for people that's twice that bad to be healed. I've had him lay my hands on a man with a cancer on his face and the cancer left his face standing there and I was so sick I couldn't stand up. And you don't know what I've suffered. Gives mental oppression. Every seven years, it's come all my life. That's where I'm at now. Seven eights. So I was, I was so distressed. I cried. I begged. I pleaded. Now I remember when I finally thought I had enough money to go to Mayo's for an examination. They said they'll find what your trouble is. Wife and I, and Becky back there. Sarah was a little bitty fella. I just entered my healing ministry. And we took off to Mayo's. I went through the clinic. And the night before I I had my finals the next morning, I just woke up and was sitting there on the bed looking around. And I looked out in front of me, and there was a little boy. looked just like me, about seven years old. And looked at it, and it was me. And he's standing by an old snag tree. And on that tree, any of you squirrel hunters know, you can rub a stick up and down on a tree like that and a scare squirrel and run him out if he's in the holler. And I was seen there where that squirrel had been. And I thought, what kind of squirrel is that? And I rubbed it. And when I did, I looked over it and it was me then, about 38 years old. The little boy was gone. So I rubbed that limb and out of that hollow log pole come a little squirrel about that long, dark, almost black, and looked like little uh, currents flying from him. The little bitty beady eyes, the wickedest looking thing that i ever seen, looked like a weasel, more than a squirrel. And he looked right at me. And I opened my mouth to say, well, and what I did, he, before you could have batted your eye, he flew right into my mouth, went down into my stomach, and just tearing me to pieces. And as I come out of the vision, with my hands up, looking at Winter, screaming, Oh, God, have mercy! It's killing me! I heard a voice way down in the room say, Remember, it's only six inches long. How many heard that story? I've told you that many times to people around the tavern. Well, on and on it went. Suffering just the same. Mayo Brothers, the next day, examined me, said, Your father was an Irishman. He drank. Your mother, being a half-Indian, that makes you almost a half-breed. So you be, you're, you're, you're just such a nervous wreck until you'll never be out of it. That otherwise, you're healthy. But that, that's something in the soul that man cannot control. Said you will, said, when a man dies, can't hold all topsy because his soul's gone. He said, well, you'll never get over it. And that guy said, my old doctor said my father had, he died at about 85, 90 years old. Somewhere along there, he said, he said a month or two before he died, I examined him, he had all his life, he get said, spell some people, said they get it, they're high tempered. Said that's the kind that'll kill you. He said the other kind, like women in menopause, they cry. You got the kind that's kind of a weary feeling. He said the old timers used to call it had the blues, it wouldn't leave them. He said when that hits you, your stomach sours, you're just upset. I said, But sir, I don't you know I said, I'm happy. He said, That's right. That's just out of the human grab bag. Said, you'll always have it. Oh, what a discouraging thing. But the words of thinking, remember, it's only six inches long. That's hung with me as my dear wife back there can tell you. Year after year, I've thought of that. And then, 
going overseas this last time, I was before well, I was back home. Now I was on a squirrel hunting trip. I jumped out of the car with Brother Banks Woods, who's listening in tonight. And I started around the hill and looked like my heart would jump out of me. I asked Dr. Sam Adair. I said, What does that? He said, Next time you have it, get a cardiogram. So all right. So it happened again the next year. And when I took the cardiogram, he said, Nothing wrong with your heart. You're just nervous. Start coming on, man. Well, another doctor said to me, a good friend of mine said, That's your heart, boy. I said, You better be careful. That's a year I called Brother Moore. And he got somebody preaching my stint when I went on that ram hunt with Brother Fred. I'd go up over mountains just like I did when I was 16 years old. Mile after mile, running. Never bothered me a bit. I come back and told Sam, he said, Well, there's something wrong. You better be careful. Then I saw a vision of an old doctor standing with those old-fashioned doctor with some stereoscopes over his arm. He said, he's standing in front of me one day. He said, don't let him tell you that's your heart, that's your stomach. Oh, I thought, well, I'll just take that word because it was a vision. Come on, I started to Africa to get some shots. I had to take a bunch of shots before going to Africa. That's the law. So when I was getting these shots, he said, well, I can't find one thing wrong with you. He said, your hemoglobin, your blood's 96. He said, if you're 16 years old, it wouldn't be any, more, wouldn't be any better. And he said, hard enough to beat you 100 years. Lungs, everything. He said, you're all right. No sugar, nothing. I said, thank you. So I got a physical test and, and to take my, uh, my health certificate to the board. So uh, he said, you know anything about it? I said, nothing but persistent souring in the stomach all the time. He said, well, I'll tell you. He said, uh, I said, well, I've been examined. I've been to Mayo Brothers and everywhere. He said, but wait a minute. He said, sometimes the ulcer is so little that that barren meal won't show it. And sometimes it's too big to show it because an x-ray is only a shadow. A little bitty ulcer, you can't see. They want enough stick. A whole lot of little bitty ulcers could do that. He said, I know an old doctor up here that's found an instrument. They got it now. They can put you to sleep with a little sodium and pentothal, put a tube in your throat, and they just actually look down in your stomach and see what's wrong. Said he's, said, he's your type of people. He's a Christian. Said, why don't you go see him? I took his name, Dr. Van Ravensworth. So when I come back, I went up to see the old doctor. Oh, he's a fine old man from Dutchie's Indies. Out of a big line of missionaries. And you'd heard of him and read my book. And, oh, he just shook my hand. He said, Brother Bram, I'd be glad to do that for you. He said, tell you what I do. Next week, you're over at the hospital over here. And said, and call me up before you go. And said, I have to give you a little shot of pentothal. And said, then what I do, said, it puts you to sleep for five minutes. My little girl had just tucked it. I have a tooth pulled. And Brother Norman's little girl, at five minutes sleep, I thought, that won't bother me. So I thought, I'd be satisfied then to look at it. And then the next morning, I raised up in the bed. and looked around. I looked over in the twin bed. My wife over there, she hadn't woke up yet. And I was looking out the window towards the great Catalina Mountain. There where I live, and I looked up there where the angel of the Lord put that sword in my hand, where the seven angels that you see in the picture appeared, great things taking place. And I looked, and as I looked there, I was standing by that tree again, right where that squirrel was. I looked up there, I thought, that's that squirrel's den. And I thought, wonder if he's still up there in the vision. I raked the side of the tree, out he comes. And before I could even bat my eye, is the oddest looking squirrel I've ever seen. Now, you have to know my ministry to know these symbols and things. 
He jumped at me, but he missed me. He missed my mouth, hit on my chest, and fell off. And as soon as he did, I heard something said, Go to the Catalina Mountains. So I turned around. I said, Meaty, are you awake, honey? And I woke her up. She said, What's the matter? About five o'clock in the morning. I said, I was looking out here, and I saw that squirrel again, honey. What squirrel? I said, one I seen up there at Mayo's. I said, you know what? He missed my mouth this time. He never hit me. He went out on my chest. I said, praise be to God. I've looked for, since a little boy, I have longed to see that happen. If I could ever see that happen, not even before I know what a vision was. If I could ever see that happen, then I said, I'd be all right. Whatever that told me, that's what I'd be. And for 40 years, I've looked for that. And there it happened. Before, when I was at Mayo's, the same time I was up there when they gave me that message, and I saw the vision, my old mother's gone on to glory now, a very odd woman. She had about three or four dreams in her life. And they were always true. She'd tell me, the, she'd start to tell me, I'd, tell, I'd say, stop right, Mom, I'll tell you what the rest of it is. Because always when you give me a dream to interpret, you don't always tell me just exactly what it is. Then when I see it over again, I see exactly what you dreamed about, then he tells me what it is. See, you don't have to tell me what the dream is. He shows me the dream himself. See? And then I see, I say, well, you didn't tell me this and tell me that. See, And so the God that can interpret a dream can show a dream. He can show one, he can interpret it. And so uh, then, well, wasn't it something like that in the Bible? It said, if you can... I just happened to come to me. Daniel, wasn't it? Or, no, Joseph. Joseph. It was somewhere in the Bible. I just remembered that. It said, if you can show me, if you can tell me what a... Oh, it's King Nebuchadnezzar. That's right. It said, if you can... Uh, if you can't... The magician said, tell me the dream. He said, it's gone from me. That's right. That, I remember that. Just thought of it then. Now notice. And Mama, she said, Billy, when I come back, she said, come here, son, and sit down. She said, I had a strange dream. I dreamed that I seen you laying sick, just about to die. With your stomach, as usual. How many dikes has she cooked me? And she said, you were building a house up on a hill. And said, I seen six white doves come down from heaven, cooing, in the letter S. And they set up on your chest. And you were looking, and the one in front was trying to tell you something. Said, there's real glossy white doves. And they tucked their little heads and put it against your cheek and going, coo, coo, coo. I said, I couldn't understand. Said, it just kept going, coo, coo, coo. I said, oh, I see it. Praise the Lord. And said, they formed their letter S again and went back up into the skies going, coo, 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 going back home. Well, the little animal that I saw was six inches long. The string of doves that mom saw was six. Six is incomplete. I knew that someday I'd see that seventh one. That was man suffering. So on and on it went. That morning I got up after seeing this vision. I obeyed the Lord. I took my little boy Joseph to school. He's listening to me now in Tucson. I took him to school and told me that I didn't know when I'd be back. And I took off up into Catalina, up into the, uh, the foothills, and, and went up into the place 
where the angel of the Lord put the sword in the hand real early, and started climbing up the mountain. Well, instead of going up in the peaks this way, which is a lot of snakes, scorpions, you know how Arizona is, I turned to my right. Something said, turn to your right. I went way into the peaks. I went around, and I was going around those great, huge rocks, many times bigger than this tabernacle, laying up in them tops there where seldom ever a person could get. Along about 11 o'clock, I was going into a little cove, back where some, a little place turned in like this, over a little deer trail. And I had my shirt off, my hat in my hand, because I was just lathering with sweat. And so I turned in there, and as I turned in that little cove, I felt the presence of the Lord. I jerked off my hat and looked around. I thought, he's here somewhere. I know he's here. Oh, what is it? I made a few more steps. I said, Lord, you're here somewhere. I looked laying on the path, and there laid that little squirrel, had jumped at something and missed it, and it hit a bunch of choya, that's jumping cactus, it ran through his head, chest, stomach, and he was dead. That odd-looking little squirrel, he had missed my mouth and hit that choya. And the voice of the Lord said, your enemy is dead. I stood there, I trembled. I took my foot, Matt, usually crows would have eaten it up. I killed a snake a couple days later there, and it laid on the road about a half hour. There's always eagles and crows flying through there. They'll pick it up right now. I killed a coral snake. That's the most dangerous snake we got. Laying right beside of me a few days after that. I started to come back to pick it up to show it. Crows had done got it. Ravens passing over. And that had been laying there ever since I'd seen the vision two days before. I believe it was on Saturday and I went up there on Monday. So there he was laying on there dead. I mashed it with my foot. I went back around, sat down again, sat there and cried a while and prayed. Looking down over Tucson, miles below me. Turned back around and come back and still laid there. When I entered that cold, the Spirit of God come on me again. I went all around, went down the mountain, went in and told my wife, I said, Honey, I don't know how, but I'm going to get over this. Dr. Ravensworth, when he gave me the examination, he said, It's totally impossible for you to be well. He gave me a shot of pitothal that was to last me. For five minutes, and I slept ten hours. So uh, that stuff ain't even aspirin just knocks me out. So they, he gave me a shot, put that tube down the throat. When I come to it, he told me the next morning, he said, Reverend, I hate to tell you this, but said your stomach walls are even so hard they're dried up. I never seen it. He used the name of gastritis, and I went and looked in the dictionary, and it said something that's withered away. It said you can't get over it. He said, you'll always have it. And I would have been a discouraged boy if it hadn't been for the vision of the Lord. And the next day, something said, go back to the mountain. And that day, instead of going one way, I was led to go another way. And I was standing there. And looking, sitting in front of me. And there sat that seventh little white dove. Looking right at me. I rubbed my eyes. I said, surely it's a vision. Surely it is. I looked and I said, little dove, where do you come from? Is this pretty and white? Could have been a pigeon. Whatever it was away in that wilderness. God Almighty, who raised up Jesus Christ from the dead, whose servant I am, 
His word laying here open before me. Know that I tell the truth and lie not. There sat the dove, sitting there looking at me. I walked around. I thought, surely it's a vision. I turned my head, looked back, and there he sat there, them little white wings, just as snowy as he could be, his little yellow feet and little yellow beak, sitting there looking at me. He's watching right straight westward. I walked around him like I wouldn't touch him for nothing. I walked on up the trail, looked back, and there he still sat watching me. Brother, as a son of Abraham, I consider not what the doctor told me. I'm going to be well anyhow. The third day I went back, I was climbing up high. Many of you know the vision about the Indian chief riding that little wall to the west. Something attracted me all to a big rock. About noontime, said, so lay your hands against that and pray. God in heaven knows this is true. I laid my hands against the rock and looked up towards heaven and started praying. I heard a voice coming out of the top of the rock there. said, what are you leaning against over your heart? I raised back like this, my bare shoulders naked from the waist up, hot. I looked back, and there was rope in the quartz, in the stone, white eagle. Just exactly what the vision said that the next message would come forth by. I was so excited, I run home, got a camera, and come back the next day and took the picture of it. It was still there. Wrote in the rock, white eagle. Dove leading eagle. Somehow, uh, I know, i tell you before it happens, the doctor's a good, do- good doctor, no doubt. Uh, I think he's a fine man. But I I know I'm going to be over it. It's done. It's finished. And I'm going to be well. I was thinking as Ernie sang that song a few moments ago on the wings of a dove. How is the melody to that? Start it for me, Ernie. No white dove. Sing it with me. God sent down his pure, sweet love. Was a sign from above on the wings of a dove. I understand Ernie made two verses. That I'm going to make you three verses. Noah had drifted on the floods many days. He searched for land in various ways. Troubles he had some, but not from above. For God gave him his sign on the wings of a dove, on the wings of a snow-white dove. God sent down his pure, sweet love was a sign from above on the wings above. Jesus, our Savior, came to earth one day. He was born in a stable, in a manger of hay. 
though here rejected, but not from above. For God gave us his sign on the wings of a dove, on the wings of a snow-white dove. God sent down his pure, sweet love for a sign from above, on the wings of a dove. Though I have suffered in many a way, I cried for healing both night and day, but faith wasn't forgotten by the Father above. He gave me his sign on the wings of a dove, on the wings of snow white dove. God sent down his pure, sweet love with sign from above. God sent down his pure, sweet love, a sign from above, on the wings of Dear God, I thank you for these things, Father. You give no other sign. You gave the world a sign, and you gave me a sign. And the next day, seeing that eagle flying, Oh, God, there's a message coming forth now. I pray, God, that you let the dove lead. Grant it, Lord. It's led me to a faith I never had before. (laughs) I know, God, I know it's going to be all right. So I thank you for it, Father. And tonight, send down your message again, Lord, on the wings of the dove of the Word. Grant it, dear Heavenly Father. And everyone that passes through this platform tonight, now that you are in the meetings across the country, may your great dove of faith fall into their hearts and give them faith, Lord, for their healing. Remember that God is not a respected person. He who could send the message to Noah, could send it to John the Baptist, could send it to me, can send it to others. I pray that that dove will fly into every heart right now, Lord, with its little golden beak and whisper that by his stripes, By my wounds and stripes, you are healed. God grant that our transgressions will be blotted out, our iniquities will be forgiven us, and that our sickness will be healed. It's in your hands, Father, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. With your heads bowed just one minute longer, how many here would like to say, if you can and want to say this, Brother Branham, I've been wrong all my life. I wanted to serve God, but tonight I'm ready to surrender. Pray, God, that that dove will fly into my heart tonight. I can feel it flutter its wings as he comes in. Raise your hands, will you? Here in the visible audience, mile all over the building. Way out into the audiences across the country. Way up to Brother Hunt and Brother Coleman. Out to Brother Leo and them. Down into Tucson. Over into Branham Tabernacle. Across the West Coast. Raise your hands everywhere. I want the dove to fly into my heart tonight. Bring me... God's sweet love on the wings of a snow-white dove, the Holy Spirit. Bring it to me tonight, Lord. Drop into my heart the faith that I have need of.
In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, God, forgive our sins. The wounded dove has brought the message back. Oh, God, it's finished. We believe that. Just give us faith to believe it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. On the wings of a snow-white dove, God sent down His pure, sweet love for the sign from above. On the wings of a Where'd that dove come from? I don't know. He wouldn't have been out there in that wilderness like that. No, no. No, he wouldn't have been there. And why was he white? The Heavenly Father knows he's as white as my shirt. There he sat there. But it was on the wings of a snow. God sent down pure, sweet love. It was silent from above. On the wings of a on the wings of a snow-white God sent down His pure, sweet love. A sign from On the wings of a snow Oh, don't you feel real humble? Let's just shake one of those hands and sing it on the wings of a snow-white God sent pure, sweet love, a sign from above, on the wings of a snow Let's raise your hands to him and sing it on the wings of a snow-white God is pure, sweet love, a sign from above, on the wings of a dove. Noah had drifted on the floods many days. He searched for land in very Trouble he had some, but not from above. God sent down his sign on the wings of a dove, on the wings of a snow white God sent down his sweet love. A sign from above. Jesus, our Savior, came to earth one day, born in a stable, in a manger of hay. So here we reject. But not from above. God gave us His sign on the wings of a dove. On the wings of a dove. 
God saves and is pure, sweet love, a sign from above. Why, be an old man suffered all my life. Why did he heal me now? I believe I'll ride this trail again. Got to bring a message. I say to my father tonight, as Junior seen in a, a dream the other night of the wings of this dove moving in these winds this year, Lord, your servant's reporting for service. Amen. I'm ready. On the wings of a snow white dove, God sends me this pure, sweet love. A sign from above. Let's believe now that he's moving in upon the audience. On our wings of a snow. We're waiting, Lord. God sends his pure, sweet love. A sign from above. You have got prayer cards in this aisle here. Step forward over here. Stand up, step forward. On this aisle here. Over this way. On the wings of a snow white God sends His pure, sweet love. A sign from above. Those with prayer cards in this line step out to your left. On the wings of a snow God sends his pure, sweet love, a sign from above. On the wings of a Those on the wings of God sends you sweet love, a sign from above on the wings of the dove. Where did the dove come from up there in the wilderness? I say this God, seen Abraham, needed a ram for a sign. He's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord can provide for himself the sacrifice. To think of it, the same God, with the same inspiration, with the same kind of people, sent a dove. He's still God. Jehovah Jireh can provide anything he has need of. Won't you just, while you're coming through this prayer line now, ask God to provide for you on the wings of the dove, the dove, Spirit of the Holy Ghost, to give you faith in your heart to believe that you're going to be healed. I'm trying to get them all on their feet, you see. I'm asking now, Brother Brown's at his place. Brother Jack, I'll tell you. All right. Good. 
this section here comes to this way first. It's lined up. The sections back over in here fall right in behind them. These fall right in behind the wing, and you fall right in behind these here, coming right around to be prayed for. Now, I'm sure this is not going to be no fast line. We're just going to take a little time so we can really pray for each one as far as we can. Now, I cut my message just a little short, and you all caught that, see, so that I could have this prayer line. This is a memorial line in honor of the days when Brother Jack Moore, Brother Young Brown, your wives, let you go, and you come over, and we went out into California and all through Arizona together through the desert and prayed for the sick. You know what? There's people living today that was dying then is still alive because of that effort. What did it do? It sprung up divine healings in every church there is in the country. Now, even Presbyterians and so forth, they had hushed their mouth or had taken God to anoint somebody to slay the Goliath to show that it could be done. Then the rest of them took courage. That's right. And went on. It can be done again. For he still sends his love on the wings of a dove. Christians, I want you to listen. If I would stand here and try to quote to you of the supernatural things that I've seen happen, even in the past three years, I'll be here this time next Saturday night telling you. I don't even speak of it so much. Because it sounds like it's almost impossible. But I'll tell you the truth. It's exactly the truth. We're living under the leadership of the great mighty Jehovah. The same one that was with the prophets in the Old Testament, with the church in the New Testament, is here today taking a bride out of the Gentiles for his name's sake. Believe it, won't you people? If you ever did believe it, believe it right now. That's true, I want you to do it. We don't know what will happen yet tonight. We don't know what will happen. We're just waiting under expectation. Please, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I ask you as his servant. I know when you're dealing with congregations, you got everything mixed in there. But if you believe me as his servant, if there's one speck of doubt or sin is, is doubt, unbelief. If there's one speck of it in your heart, ask Father to take it away right now. Lord, and then when you come with genuine faith, now, my hands won't mean nothing unless that strikes you first. Then when it comes, it'll light it off. You'll be healed. That's right. You'll know you'll be healed. You'll believe it. Now, I'm going to pray now for each one of you. And uh, when you do this, you put your hands over on one another too. So we'll, And you'll be praying for the person you got your hands on. Then I'm going to bring you through the line. Put your hands on somebody that's with you in the line. Dear God, I, I don't know... No other way of saying these things, Lord. I just know to tell what I know is the truth. And you're my witness tonight that I am telling the truth. My faith, Lord, and my own healing in the future. I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't understand it. But I believe it, Lord, that I receive the sign from above. That seventh dove finally got here. The seventh inch is soon finished on the animal. It's over. God, 
I want to serve your people. So I pray, God, that you have so anoint us tonight that whoever we lay our hands on, may they be healed. Not because it's us, but because it's following your commandment. You said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Lord, help me to believe and help their hearts to be the bedding ground of faith. And may together, for the glory of God, every sick and afflicted person in this building or the buildings throughout the land that's obeying these commands now will be made well. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask it. Amen. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mighty word, and we thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. We pray, may you take the lessons that we've learned in Leviticus, how we see, Father, how your ordinance is arranged for all kinds of different scenarios. May we understand that everything in your word is done for a reason, and may we follow it with all our hearts to a T. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, we'd really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.